I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I want to just read one verse this morning as our main text, and that is verse 9. Philippians 4, 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, the passage leading up to this, we're told to be careful for nothing but to pray about everything and whatever things are good or lovely, if there be any virtue and so forth, to, to think on these things and God's peace will fill our hearts. Paul says it here again, those things which you have heard, both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. A lot of times I think we're familiar with the things of, of Christ and even with the Word of God, and yet... Um, plain and simply, if we're not practicing those things, if we're not participating in those things, if we're not obeying the Lord and His Word by faith, it's pointless, it's futile. Our heads can be this big with Bible knowledge and, and be able to teach Sunday school and teach the little kids and preach a sermon and tell others about the Lord. But God has called us to be doers of the Word, to practice what everything is about doing, everything is about God working in us. And it's not enough just, for example, to declare uh, correct biblical doctrine. Is co correct biblical doctrine important? Yes, it is. It's, it's extremely important. But it's not enough for us to hold to the right creed. You know, here's what our church believes. You can go on our website and see the, the, corner, the Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge uh, doctrinal statement. It's very conservative. It's, it's basic Christian uh, beliefs. But we can hold to that all day long, but what God's called us to do is to live that out and to walk it out. He desires for us to display Christ, not just say we, this is what we believe about Christ in this framework, but He desires us to be conformed to that image, and He desires for us to display literally through our lives the Lord Jesus Christ, His words of life must be put in action, that we are, and I know it's very familiar, but James says, but be you doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. The only one you're deceiving when you do that is yourself. We think we're fooling people that they'll think we're great Christians, and maybe, maybe for some time they will, but the one who's really being hurt by that is us. If we hear the word and we're not doers of it, the one that is deceived in that little scenario is us. Amen? And God doesn't want us to be. I just want to read this. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but in Ezra, we know the, the priest Ezra at the return from the Babylonian, Babylonian captivity when they were regathering and building the temple. He was a wonderful man of God. I happen to be reading Ezra right now. Uh, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. Isn't that a wonderful little phrase? He had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach Israel statutes and judgments. So he was going to be one that sought the Lord. He was going to study the, the law of the Lord. He was going to teach Israel the statutes and judgments of God. But he had prepared his heart. It was a conscious decision. I'm preparing my heart to obey the Lord, to obey what God has given me in his word. And so we have to do them. We must practice sound doctrine. Sound just means wholesome, healthy, 
correct doctrine. Doctrine is not a scary uh, Christian word. Doctrine is simply b- what you believe. It's the teaching. It's teaching. That's all that doctrine is. We must practice sound biblical Christian teaching. We must obey what we profess to believe. We must obey what we profess to believe. A couple of more scriptures here. But God be thanked that you were servants of sin. You were that, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. So what, what brought them out of being servants of sin into being children of God and forgiven and new creatures in Christ? It wasn't that they heard the gospel. It wasn't even that they just gave mental agreement to the gospel. He says you've obeyed from the heart that form of sound doctrine which was delivered to you. That was where the, the freedom came. That's where the salvation came. That was where the uh, being born again came. And Peter says a similar th- thing in 1 Peter 1.22. Seeing you have purified your souls. And how? In going to church and hearing good sound doctrine and singing beautiful Christian songs. You have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Obeying the truth through the Spirit. Amen. Through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to do it. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. The Holy Spirit gives us the revelation of Christ and, and the truth and our own sinful condition. It's all by the Spirit's working and power. But he says you've obeyed. Uh, you, you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Otherwise, you know what we are, y'all? It, we're just hypocrites. And I'm not here just to blast hypocrites, okay? But the point is... If we're not going to obey what, and practice what we say we believe, we're simply hypocrites no matter how correct our doctrine is, no matter how biblical it is, no matter how holy our set of beliefs are that we believe and cling to and defend, and no matter how strongly we may oppose what is false. And we need to do these things, by the way. Okay, We need to oppose what's false. We need to cling to what's true and what's right. We need to earnestly contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints. But no matter how appropriate and correct and zealous we are for right, sound doctrine, if we're not practicing that, what we preach and what we were taught from the Word of God, we're hypocrites. We're hypocrites. And uh, our, our doctrine can be rightly divided, and we preach it and teach it and we amen it, But if we're not practicing that, then it's hypocrisy. Amen? I'm not minimizing sound doctrine and the importance of it at all. You know me better than that and this church better than that. Rather, emphasizing obedience to sound doctrine. Emphasizing the practice of what we believe. All doctrine, okay, all through the years, God's intent for right teaching and right doctrine. He tells us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, right? A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And what to shun and stay away from, profane babblings and so forth. Exercise yourself rather to godliness. All of the point of the sound doctrine and studying it and comparing Scripture to Scripture and rightly dividing the word. And everything that we study and spend time on, the preaching of it, the teaching of it, the hearing of it, is all designed by the Lord for the purpose of changing us. Changing the individual hearer who hears it. That we would become more like Jesus Christ, His Son. Inside, inwardly, and outwardly. Making us holy. Making us more Christ-like within and without. In our hearts, in our minds, in our reasoning, in our speech. 
in our practices, in our behavior, in our conduct. It's all designed by the Lord, by the working of His Spirit, by the grace of God, to work in us that which is pleasing in God's sight. And what's pleasing in God's sight is His Son, to make us like Jesus Christ, in my character, in my behavior, within, and then what's within flows without, and how I speak and talk and think and make decisions and treat other people and love my enemy and everything else like that. What we do, what we don't do, what we love, what we hate, all of that is the, God's purpose in the sound doctrine. It is to have that effect upon our lives, that we would be transformed, amen, transformed and conformed to the image of the Lord. The Bible says proving that which is acceptable to God. There's a, a proving of it and walking in it. I want you, if you would, to turn with me your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, <clears throat> let's read verses 1 through 4. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples. So he's speaking to the crowds of people and his specific followers, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You know what that is? That's hypocrisy. And I know that you know this, but the word hypocrite is a Greek word for actor. That's what it means, is an actor. And there's a lot of actors in the church. There, I may have been an actor at some point in my life when it comes to Christianity. And I said earlier, the only one who's really being deceived by that. We're certainly not deceiving the Lord. Amen. The Bible says the Lord knows them that are his. And so he's not confused about that. But these Pharisees and scribes, they're such uh, easy targets. You know, I think over the years, the Lord definitely rebuked them more than any other group of people. He had more severe, harsh dealings with them than anyone because of their position. They professed to know the truth. They were scholars of the law. And then here's the fulfillment of the law right in front of them, and they don't believe him. Their hearts are hard. Their spiritual eyes are blinded. I can see why he dealt with them more severely than, say, maybe just a prostitute or some drunkard or someone else. He dealt with them as well about their sin. But the point about these people was that the scribes and Pharisees, he said, they sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they're in that place of Moses, the law, the authority. They are given that position, and they sit in it. So all looks well on the outside. They're, they're uh, functioning in that position, and they bid people to do what is correct and to observe what is correct according to the law. That is what God wanted them to do. But he says, and Jesus even said, everything they bid you to observe, I want you to observe it and do it. Everything they bid you to do, to observe, I want you to observe it and do it. But don't do after their works. Okay? Don't do after their works, for they say and do not. Their work simply means their deeds or their labor. 
their actions and their conduct was unrighteous. It was not lined up with the word of God. It was not lined up with the law that they preached. It was not according to God's will. But they said the right things for the most part and did the right things. And he says they bind in verse 4 heavy burdens and grievous to be born. And they lay them on men's shoulders, not their own. Okay, they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. That is what would be a classic example of hypocrisy within the church. Amen. Hypocrisy when it comes to the things of God. They say and do not. And again, I think the Lord would have this message to be about more than simply hypocrisy. That's such an easy target. That's such an easy. We would all amen that and agree with that. But I don't want to just look at the scribes and the Pharisees. They're easy targets, as I said. I'm an easy target, though, and so are you. We need to look at our own lives and examine our own hearts because God wants to impress upon us, I would say, the great uh, impact for Christ that we can have by practicing what we preach. The world has seen enough of people through the ages that say the right things and don't do it. We're, f- we're full of that. People have seen that. But the great impact, God wants you to know this morning, the great impact you can have for his kingdom, for the Lord Jesus in this hour, in your little old life that you think is very or maybe very insignificant f- compared to others, the impact that we all can have for Christ in his kingdom by living out what we profess to believe, what we profess and say we believe, our actions, our obedience to the Lord. Paul said, follow me, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And he I thought about this scripture a lot. It's not, there's not an arrogance to it. You almost say like, that's kind of cocky of Paul to tell all these other believers, follow me. He was confident in his walk with the Lord. He knew Jesus Christ. He wasn't playing a game. He was serious about knowing the Lord. He knew this one thing he was doing was pursuing after Christ and leaving all the other stuff behind and counting it as as dung. And he's pursuing after the Lord. And he's saying, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. I am a follower of Christ. So don't just follow me. I'm following someone. I'm following your Lord and Savior and my Lord and Savior. Follow me. And he's following, saying, follow me in my words, in my speech, my preaching, my teaching, my ministry, but follow me in my actions as well. You want to learn how to pray? Uh, you can watch me. I'm a man who prays. You understand what I'm saying? You, you want to learn how to love your enemies and go out and talk to lost people about Jesus while they're throwing stones at you? Come follow me. Watch me. I'm going to show you what that's like. And it's filled with the Spirit. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. He's going out in the name of the Lord, but it's not an arrogance about it at all. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3.10, but thou hast fully known, Paul says, this is the last thing he wrote before he was uh, martyred for the Lord, thou hast fully known, he's telling Timothy, my doctrine, manner of life. So you didn't just know my Paul's doctrine. He says, Timothy, you've fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, and my patience. You've fully known this. How would Timothy fully know that? Because he saw that in Paul. It was more than just hearing 
the, the right Sunday school lessons and correct doctrine through his preaching. You've known my manner of life, Timothy. You saw how I was. I wasn't a hypocrite. I didn't go preach to the Jews in some local synagogue and then go back to my hotel room later that night and act totally different. I lived this thing out. You've fully known that. And so God wants us to, to live in such a way Do we have that impact upon the lives of other, others. Paul says what you've seen, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And this is our key passage. Do we practice, y'all? It, do we practice our faith? It does not take the people around us, whether they're Christians or nominal Christians or lost. It doesn't take the people around us very long to see if we actually believe what we profess. It doesn't take people. It doesn't, you don't have to be smart. You just be some little kid, eight years old, and they're watching mom and dad or, who, or whatever. Uh, it doesn't take people long to figure out, do you believe what you profess to them and to others to believe? They're going to see it. They're going to know it. God knows it for sure, but they're going to see it. I think about Hudson Taylor, and I know a lot, and you know a lot about Hudson Taylor, the wonderful missionary to inland China who founded that mission. But Hudson Taylor was not a believer. He grew up in a Christian home, and at 17 years old, he still was not saved. He thought it, he thought it was foolishness because of the hypocrisy he saw in those who claimed to be Christians. Those in the church who claimed to know the Lord, he and his friends totally rejected Christ and thought it was all a bunch of baloney and stepped, you know, stepped away. He was not saved at that time. His sister began to pray and made a, a covenant with the Lord to pray for his soul every day. And I think it was just like two months later, he got saved. He gave his life to the Lord. But our impact, we're not the sole responsibility uh, the sole influence of some, someone coming to the Lord or not. Every man stands on their own two feet. If, even if they're surrounded by hypocrites, they still need to, give, need to give their life to Jesus. I'm not absolving them from their responsibility. But the impact that we can have is, is incredible on the people that are around us. To, to practice what we preach, do we practice our faith, do we live out what we claim to believe. Men are going to follow people that lead by examples. We have some guys in the military in this room. And, and I know that even just in studies of military leaders or campaigns, the great leaders were the ones that led by examples. Not saying they never spoke words. I'm sure they spoke words as well. But they practiced what they preached. They were, they were leaders, and they led by example, and men are willing, or people are willing to follow that, okay, are, are willing to follow that. Do, is Christ Jesus, through your life and through my, my life, evidently set forth before their eyes? Because Paul says that to the Galatians. He says, I came there, and Christ was evidently set forth before you, before you and eyes. In other words, it wasn't just me there. When I preached and talked and lived among you and hung out with you and taught you and loved you and put my hands on you and prayed for you and all the things that went on there, Christ Jesus was evidently himself was set before you. Well, that's not just for the Apostle Paul. That's for all of us. Is the Lord set forth that way? 
before us and through our lives. Every believer has both the God-given responsibility and the privilege to represent our Savior. But we must represent Him more than just our words. We have to represent Him correctly. And to represent Him correctly, we have to represent Him through our actions. Amen. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. Have you seen plenty of people that love only, and I'm saying love in this sense, love only in word and in tongue? They're going to pat you on the back and give you a hug and tell you how much they love you. But when it's time that you need something and you really need the love uh, or help or whatever it may be, they're not there. They're not there. That's not to be our lives. Let's not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed. That's actions and in truth. That's what pleases God. We certainly are not saved by good works, but the good works are going to be an evident and a token that our life has been changed. Amen. We are not saved by how many good works we're, we're, we do. We're saved by the grace through faith only. We can't add to that. But if we're saved by grace through faith, our life will be different. Good works will come from that. And our actions of obedience to the faith are going to come from that. So I want to think about this just for a moment. Jesus himself, he didn't just speak truth and correct doctrine. A lot of prophets before him had done that as well. Jeremiah spoke truth, right? And he was a man of God. Isaiah, we could go on and on. But Jesus didn't just speak truth and correct doctrine. He was truth incarnate. He was the truth. Amen. And he walked out perfectly. He's the only one that ever did this. Worked out perfectly, walked it out perfectly and consistently before men what he preached. You wouldn't find a discrepancy. If you looked at my life very, very closely and were with me 24 hours a day, all the time you would find some discrepancy. You say, well, he just stood in the pulpit Sunday and said this. And look at him doing this. I would say, God, forgive me. And I turn back to the Lord. Jesus didn't have to do that. He perfectly walked out everything that he professed and taught. And, and the even, people said, never a man spoke like this man. I mean, he was saying, saying it by the power of the Holy Spirit and doing it and walking it out. Privately, when, when he was just by himself, publicly, when, when the crowds were around him, when he was among friends that accepted him, when he was a man among strangers or enemies that wanted to stone him, he always preached it and he walked it out. Every action of his life was in perfect accordance with the righteousness of God and with the righteousness of what he proclaimed and preached. Amen. I'll just read this from Acts 1.1. The whole book begins this way. The former treatise have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So Luke is, is setting out to write about all that Jesus began to both do and to teach. They go together. They go together. I'm just saying to you this morning, to, to me, we need to do what we teach. Teach what's right and then do it. Not saying change what you teach. Teach the truth. Walk in the truth. Proclaim it from the roof, rooftops. Amen. Shout it from the rooftops that Jesus is Lord, the only Savior, the way, the truth, and the life. But, and he can change your life and deliver you and set you free and transform your life. Preach it all, but live it by the grace of God. This is where we need to examine our hearts and to walk it out. Jesus didn't just, I'm going to give it some examples. 
Jesus didn't just tell his disciples to love one another. He loved them. And like Reynolds said, he loved them. Having loved his own, he loved them how long? To the end. He loved them to the end. He loved a betrayer. He loved Judas when he was walking out. And he knew he was going to go to his place as it was prophesied, which was not heaven. Okay? But having loved his own, he loved them to the end. He didn't just tell them to be people of love and love your neighbors and love your enemies and love one another. He, he didn't just tell them to serve one another. He got down on his knees and washed their smelly feet. He didn't just tell them that. Serve one another. He got down and served. He served them. He didn't tell them men ought always to pray only and teach them to pray. He was up way before the, the sun came up in the mornings praying. Where's Jesus? We can't find him. They're waking up in the morning. He's out there praying. That was his habit. That was his practice. He didn't just tell them these things. He, he walked it out. He lived it out. He didn't just tell them be humble and whoever exalts himself will be abased and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. He humbled himself, the Bible says. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him. Amen. He had to humble himself. He didn't just teach it. Amen. He lived it and walked it out. And so just for the last portion of this message this morning, I want to talk to the believers in this body today. I don't know everybody perfectly. I know most of you very well, but this is for believers. This is for those that have given their life to Christ. This would be for those that teach the children in there and they get up here on Sunday nights and open in prayer and teach Sunday school and serve as ushers and, and serve in the church. This would be for parents in this body, parents of children in this church. And we have so many wonderful, godly believers. I'm so, and I really mean this, I'm very thankful, very honored to serve the Lord with you, to pray with you, to work, uh, to worship God together in this body. It truly is a blessing. But we still need to take a real account, believers in this body, real account of our lives. Do you and I truly and consistently practice what we preach? It sounds so basic, and I guess it is, but do we truly and consistently practice what we preach? Now, I'm going to speak to the parents for just a moment here. You can tell your children, this is just an example. You might not be a parent, but you're a Christian, and you receive from this just like I do. But you can tell your children till you're blue in the face the importance of prayer, but they'll never believe it if you're not a man or woman of prayer. You can tell them all day long, all week long, as long as they live in your house. You can tell your children the importance of the altar. You see it in the Bible. You hear about it and preached and taught in church. You can tell them all the time the importance of the altar, but they'll never believe it if they don't see you, mom and dad, at the altar, on your knees, weeping tears before the Lord, crying out to God, putting your hands on somebody else that's weeping and crying at the altar, surrendering all to Jesus. They'll, they'll believe it maybe in their minds, but they'll never lay hold of it in their own lives 
if they don't see you at the altar crying out to God. We can tell our children till we're blue in the face the importance of tithing. And all we have belongs to the Lord. And we're to, to give and, and to tithe and to sow into the things of God. And to be obedient with the first fruits. We can tell them all the time. And even teach them the story about the widow's might. Where she cast in all her living and she left there trusting God. And God said she gave more than all the, the wealthy people. Which she did. They'll never believe it. They'll never believe it if they don't see you giving. If they don't see you tithing. You can tell them that you can't outgive God. They'll never believe it if they don't see you giving to the things of God. When it's convenient, when you're giving out of plenty, when you're giving out of little, when you're giving when things are tight, and you're giving when the car's broken down, and you're in between jobs, or whatever it may be, that's what's going to speak to them. We can tell our children we ought to praise God. And lift up the shout of triumph unto the Lord and sing with all of our might to the Lord like David talks about. And we ought to sing with joy. We ought to sing with our hands lifted up and our voices lifted up to God in the sanctuary. They'll never believe it. If when it's time for the praise and worship in our church is the time to praise God, they see us sitting there daydreaming, yawning, um, only excited when it's our favorite song that comes along. Only excited and get into it when the atmosphere is right. We've got to dim the lights. We need a little, little smoke. We need a little this going on. They'll never believe it if they don't see you worshiping the Lord like that and lifting up our hands to God and praising the Lord. We can tell our children to the blue in the face the importance and the great need and the blessing that comes from gathering together with, the God's, with God's people. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but all the more we're to gather together, provoke one another to love and good works, as we see the day approaching. What day is that? The end of it all. The rapture. That's the end for us on, on this earth anyway. Hallelujah. Um, is the more is, do you, let me just ask you a question. Do you see that day approaching? I do. I was talking to some people right here this morning. We see the day approaching. We're not trying to talk ourselves into it. We see it. We see it by the Holy Ghost. We see it by the Word of God. The day is approaching. But we can tell our children all the time the great need to be in. Boy, you need to be in church. You need to be with God's people. Not only the need, but the great blessing. We can tell them, like the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, every joint, every joint, supplying every joint. Every joint, supplying every joint is what's taught. And we can tell our children that gathering is so important with God's people, honoring the Lord, sitting under the preaching of the word or the teaching of the word consistently. They'll never believe it. And they'll walk away from it all if you don't do it yourself. They'll walk away from it all if you don't do it yourself. Actions, I know you've heard this, so I didn't invent this saying, actions speak louder than words, right? So if we, in a picture paints a thousand words. So if I'm, if I'm telling my children one thing and telling them the truth, but living contrary to that, which lesson, which teaching do you think they'll cling to? The one I tell them about? Or the one they see me practice morning, noon, and night. 
through my life consistently. Not that any of us is perfect. We're always having to go before the Lord and asking the Lord to forgive us. Always. I mean, always. Thank God for his mercy. But I'm talking about as a pattern of our life. What do you think your hearers, in this case children, are going to latch on to and believe is genuine? What you tell them or the way you live? What do they see? We will break land speed records to get our children to school on time or to a ball practice or a ball game. They have a big test the next day. We'll, we'll set three alarm clocks to make sure we don't oversleep. This is a big one. We've got to be at that one or a big job interview or something like that. Not saying that those things aren't important. But we'll regularly come in late for Sunday school. Regularly. We'll regularly skip Sunday school altogether because we had a big night last night. Or we're tired. Or we miss prayer on uh, prayer meetings, won't come back. Or, or Wednesday night we'll come in halfway through the song service. Can I tell you something? for myself or any of us, that God gave that song service to our church. That's not a little side note. It's part of our worship of the Lord. People come in late, halfway through it, miss the first three songs, they're going to think nothing of it. But they're going to make sure Junior gets a good night's sleep and gets to school on time tomorrow and not be late. And they wanted to find favor with the coach, so they're going to be at the practice on time and, and the ball games on time. What, what lesson are we teaching? What, what are we saying is important? Junior needs a good night's sleep, so we're not going to go to prayer. they got the big testing going on. We tell them God is first, and to put God first in our lives but other things in life and academics and sports and schedules are actually first in reality. I would simply say this, forget it. Forget it if you think you're going to bring up your children with all the instructions and all the directions and teaching and admonitions and pleas for your children to walk with the Lord. Oh, more than anything, I want them to be saved and walk with God. Forget it. Forget it if you're not going to live it yourself. Now God can use somebody else to reach your children. So I'm not saying forget that they'll ever be saved and know Jesus. But as far as your direction in their life, forget it. If we're not going to walk it out ourselves. We tell them they need to serve God with their whole heart. Forget it if we're not going to serve God and love God with our whole heart. Go back to the beginning as we close. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Things you've seen in my life. My son's sitting back there. My wife's sitting right here. They've seen sin in my life too. They've seen more in me than you've seen in my life. They've also seen me by the grace of God go to them and say, would you forgive me? 
and I'm going to God and asking God to forgive me. I believe they've seen that as a pattern. I'm not patting myself on the back. And I pray that you have seen that in my life. So this is not a blanket condemnation. It's not a, 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 a preach, preaching that we should, we just should be perfect and anything like that. I'm simply saying we, we have a, an unbelievable opportunity and responsibility to represent the Lord. And there's no room for the hypocrisy. When Paul says, the things you've seen in me, that means to be sure of. I looked up the word seen. To understand, to perceive, to behold, to know, to be sure. For God's sake, y'all. Back it all off of everything and look at for the Lord's sake. Isn't he, isn't he worthy of us living out what he shed his blood? The, the life that he shed his blood that we might have. Isn't he worthy of me walking that out? By the grace of God, our God's going to help us. Amen? So I'm going to close with this. And D, you can come up. Our God will help us. Our God will forgive us. Our God will teach us. Our God will enable us to do what he's called us to do. You don't just leave here and go get it straight on your own. You leave here and you get with God. And you say, Lord, show me where I'm not living what I believe in is sound doctrine. Show me where I'm not walking in obedience to your word. Show me. And then once he shows, then you say, Lord, help me. Strengthen me. Fix me. Do this work in me. And you might have to do it more than once. We'll probably have to do it every day. Amen? For his name's sake, he's going to help us. I'm going to close with this. The altars are open. Praise God. Some are already calling upon the Lord. But I'm going to close with this scripture. From 1 John chapter 1, verse, verses 1 and 2. Now this is the Apostle John. Late in life, he's walked with the Lord. He knew the Lord. And he says here, what he's proclaiming, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Jesus wasn't a hypocrite. He says what we're declaring is everything that Jesus was. As that three and a half years that we walked with him, we've seen him, we've heard him, we've handled him. The word of God and the word of life was made manifest to him. And we saw him. And we saw how he lived. And we saw a lot of things that aren't even written in the scriptures. If it was all written in the scriptures, I don't suppose the world could contain the books that would be written about the Lord Jesus Christ and the miracles he did. But we've seen him and heard him. He's, he's the real deal. It's him. He's the Savior. He's the word of life. When people see us, they need to know and believe. They need to know and believe. Now, I'm not a hypocrite. The, the church has enough hypocrites. The world has enough hypocrites. And I have been hypocritical in my life, and I've asked God to forgive me. But I want to walk out and practice what I preach. And I want you to. And I want us to be salt in life and have that influence for the Lord upon, upon this earth and to those that God has placed in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Oh, God, I do pray that you would forgive me, God, because I have been hypocritical. I have proclaimed one thing in this pulpit or to my children or to others or to a youth group and have not walked it out myself in some area. 
I ask you to forgive me. I have asked you to forgive me. But, Lord, we want to walk in obedience to the faith by the grace of God, by the enabling and empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Help us to be strong. Help us to be able to say with confidence, be ye followers of me as I follow Christ, that we would live in such a way that people could follow us in our speech and our actions and know that they're walking with Jesus. We're going to lead them in a right way. We're going to lead our children in a right way. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. But I also thank you for the help and strength that we don't have to be today like we were yesterday. And I don't have to be tomorrow like I am today. Build us up and strengthen us and make us more like Christ in every way. We love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.